Welcome to the Odessa First Assembly Podcast. Today we bring you a special Easter Sunday service titled, The Resurrection. This is a day of great significance for Christians all around the world as we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. In this service, you'll hear from our lead pastor, Todd Starnes, as he shares a powerful message of hope and redemption. We invite you to join us in celebrating this momentous occasion, whether you're listening from the comfort of your own home or on the go. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you enjoy the service. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to the book of Acts chapter 2 and the book of John chapter 20. Acts chapter 2 and John chapter 20. We're going to be talking this morning about the resurrection. So glad, so grateful for the price the Lord paid. But man, I you know, if, if he was still in the grave, we'd be in a different place right now. But uh, he's not there. I said he's not there. He's not on the cross. He's not on the grave. He's at the right hand of the Father. He has sent us the helper, the Holy Spirit. Oh, and we, that's what makes that promise he'll never leave us nor forsake us come to life. Acts chapter 2, John chapter 20. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this morning. And Lord, yes, we do just pray for your work in our hearts, Lord, your work in our lives. And we ask that once again that our hearts be good soil, ready to receive your word. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Let's look at Acts chapter 2. We've kind of used this for a couple of weeks, but I want to emphasize the latter part of this passage. Acts chapter 2, verse 22 through 24. It says, people of Israel, listen, God publicly endorsed Jesus the Nazarene by doing powerful miracles, wonders, and signs through him, as you well know. But God knew what would happen and his prearranged plan was carried out when Jesus was betrayed. With the help of lawless Gentiles, you nailed him to a cross and killed him. This is Peter's sermon right after, the, it's, it's on the day of Pentecost. It's right after the, the encounter of the Holy Spirit in the upper room. They get baptized, filled in the Holy Spirit. And here Peter is preaching. And I want to emphasize verse 23 just for a moment because that word is pre arranged plan. It is important to understand and remember that God was not shooting from the hip from all of this. That in Genesis, that a plan was in action, and we see the culmination all through history in this moment. And not only that, you made me hear say this a couple of times, but I just got to say it again, that this is a moment that Satan's plan and God's plan um, and, 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 and are kind of working together. I mean, it was the enemy's plan to take out the deliverer. It was God's plan for the Lamb of God to be crucified and to rise again. But the devil didn't know there was a Jesus juke coming. Come on, somebody. Are you following me? I mean, the enemy thought he was winning. <laughs> I, you know, that... As I was thinking about this, you know, I think of like those Easter staple songs, you know. I mean, if you've been in a church for any amount of time, and if you haven't been, you, you may not know some of these, but we have done so many resurrection out of the tomb scenes to Arise My Love. Anybody remember Arise My Love by New Song, Arise My Love, or uh, My Redeemer Lives? 
That's when Nicole C. Mullen, my Redeemer, lives. But, you know, and when it comes to like an Easter sermon, you know, you've, uh, there's a little pressure on me because you kind of feel like you got to, you know, up the game just a little bit, you know, and, and, you know, be a little more dramatic or whatever. You know, it's just what it is. But the, the song I began to think about this week, and it's probably because Angela has this playlist. You'll have to ask her about it. But if you recognize these words, I, I want you to hear. You may not. But if you recognize these words, in the vast expanse of a timeless place where silence ruled the outer space, does that ring a bell to anybody? It does, Angela. <laughs> Ominously towering, it stood the symbol of a spirit war between the one named Lucifer and the morning star, the ultimate of good. Any, is anybody? Okay, I'll, I'll go a little more. Enveloped by a trillion planets, clean as lightning and hard as granite. A cosmic coliseum would host the end of the war between the Lord of sin and death and the omnipotent creator of man's first breath. Who will decide who forever will be the champion? Oh, okay, I thought y'all would be more excited. Okay. I really wanted to show the video clip of Carmen singing this because especially when it, but I did, you know, Facebook and so they flag our stream and all that kind of stuff. But, and so it gets to the end, the end of the song, um, the pinnacle of the song. And there's this, you know, this, this song describes this battle, this, this war, but it ta- then it gets to the place where he talks about where Jesus dies on the cross. And he says this, God, the father turned his head his tears announcing Christ was dead, and the ten count will proclaim the battle's end. Then Satan trembled and threw his sweat in unexpected horror yet as God started to count by saying ten. And the song goes that God starts counting backwards, and, and Satan's like, God, you're counting all wrong. And then, of course, God gets to one, and in the song, Carmen begins to sing, he has won. He is alive forevermore. What the enemy, where the enemy thought he had an upper hand, where the enemy thought he had won, God's prearranged plan was set in motion, and the enemy could do nothing about it. And I'm drawing that out this morning to tell you this, that God's got the same plan for you. That God's got a prearranged plan for you. And the enemy's trying to take you down. He's trying to hurt you. He's trying to destroy you. He's trying to tempt you. He's trying to, to take the steal, kill, and destroy. But it cannot thwart God's plan for you. It can, what, what, what the enemy has planned, even God can use those things of how people have taxed you and, and you feel like maybe that your life has been tossed around by a notion of other people's decisions. I want you to know this morning that God's got a purpose for you. He's got a plan for you to not to harm you, to hurt you, but a future and a hope. Come on. So you got to get a little more excited with me this morning. And so we continue to read in Acts 22. Acts 2, I want to get to verse 24. And it says, But God released him from the horrors of death and raised him back to life. You know, that sentence alone is such a powerful declaration and promise. But I want you to get a hold of the second part of the sentence. I don't, maybe you've never really just looked at it, especially the way the NLT says it, for death could not keep him in its grips. 
I mean, it, this was not a struggle for God. Do you understand that? This wasn't like, you know, the enemy might win this thing. It was settled from the way back in creation that when this moment happened, that Jesus was going to be risen from the dead, that death could not hold on to him. Praise God. And so we look at John chapter 20. And I don't know, I know that many of us, many of us, I would say everyone in the room, at some point, you've lost somebody that is very close to you. That, uh, of a death of someone that is, that, that is hurt. I mean, one day they're here, the next day they're gone. Whether maybe it was over a period of time or maybe it was by a tragic accident, and sometimes those things, it, it turns our life upside down. It was no different for the followers of Jesus. I mean, you have to remember that his betrayal and, the, and, and, and Peter denying him and Judas betraying him with a kiss and the trial that happened, it all was displayed out in public for, for everyone to see. The trials and the Sanhedrin and with Pontius Pilate, it was all on public display. And I, I can't but help but think that I mean, it was, whether it was surreal or they couldn't believe it, but even maybe, you know, when you go through those things sometimes, you're, you're even numb. And the disciples and the followers of Jesus, they're seeing all this carried out, but it was really the beginning. I mean, the Bible tells us that Jesus would be crucified at Golgotha, the place of the skull. And we read about this and, and what he suffered. And, and every year we, we place these, this cross out as a reminder of the price that he paid. And then after he died on that cross, he was placed into a tomb. And that tomb most likely was very close to where the crucifixion had taken place. And it was in a garden and, and, and they place him in there and they wrap him up. And then we begin in, in John chapter 20. And it says this beginning in verse 1, early on Sunday morning, while it was still dark, one of the, we, had our, we had a good Friday service, which was really great turnout. I want to thank you guys for coming, those that came, and it was a real special moment. But one of the next things I want to do is one year we're going to have a sunrise service. The, the only reason we haven't had a sunrise service because I've been too afraid that you wouldn't come back for the main service. I know how you guys roll. John chapter 20, verse 1. Early on Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found that a stone had been rolled away from the entrance. She ran and found Simon Peter and the other disciples, the one whom Jesus loved. I mean, you're going to see some, you know, we're reading out of the Gospel of John. And if you didn't know, John is writing about himself right there. Some of you will catch that. It's okay. She ran and found Simon Peter, the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. She said, they have taken the Lord's body out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. Now listen, for three, over three years, they heard Jesus teach that he was going to rise again. And this tells you, gives you a picture of what in disarray and doubt and, and just uh, the reeling that was taking place on the inside of them, that the first thing they thought when they saw the empty tomb wasn't like, hooray, he did it. It was like, where is he? Where'd they put his body? 
We don't know where they put him. Verse 3, Peter and the other disciples started out for the tomb. They were both running. Remember, this is the writer, John, the one whom Jesus loved, as he tells about himself. They were both running, Peter and John, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He just keeps it going. I mean, when you're riding, you can ride it how you want to, I guess. He stooped and looked and saw the linen wrappings lying there, and he didn't go in. Verse 6, then Simon Peter arrived and went inside, and he noticed the linen wrappings lying there. While the cloth that had covered Jesus' head was folded and lying apart from the other wrappings, the disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw and believed. Verse 9, for until then, they still hadn't. They still hadn't understood the scriptures that Jesus said he must rise from the dead. So they run to the tomb. So Mary comes and reports to them. They run to them. John and Peter, they're in a foot race. John beats, uh, uh, Peter, uh, John beats Peter there. But I, I don't think that, see, I, I think when we know that when Scripture was written, it was inspired by the Holy Spirit. And so I don't think that John, I don't think that John was writing this. He was saying, I'm the one that Jesus loved, and I outran Peter. I don't think it was with that attitude, because that's not the attitude of the Holy Spirit. I think John put that in there because I, to bring us some spiritual insight. You see, there was a difference between John and Peter, and do you know what the difference between John and Peter was? Is that Peter denied Jesus three times. And here's John, who stayed at the cross until the very end. You know, I remember, you know, my kids, when and I, I do miss that, and now it's a little awkward because they've heard me say this a few times, and so every time I say this, they start to do that, and I'm like, that's kind of weird. But, I, you know, when they were little, and I would drive up, and I'd come in, you know, to the door, and, I mean, all it was a race to see who would hug me first, and all three of them, Daddy! I mean, I can hear it in my head like it was yesterday. Those little cute voices, and then they grow up, but those little cute voices... Uh, look, my, we got wonderful kids, uh, and I mean, two adults now. But they would run as daddy, you know, and they would, they would race to see you could hug first. But there was also times where maybe they got in trouble. And Angela, I mean, you know, she did such a wonderful job when she was at home with them, but sometimes she would be at her wit's end, and she would make that classic statement, just wait till your dad gets home. <laughs> and I always knew when something was wrong because I'd come in the door, and there'd only be two, Daddy, and not three. Because there was one that knew what when Dad got home, what that meant. And I think maybe that's a little bit what was happening with Peter and John. I mean, you gotta, you got to know that God knows your mess. And so many times we allow the mistakes or how we fall short and mess up dictate how we think that God sees us. <laughs> this is good, church. But we know, I mean, we, we, have the, we have the benefit of seeing the whole story, the whole account. 
And we know that Jesus, there was an encounter of restoration between Jesus and Peter before the ascension. But listen to me. Don't let your mistakes keep you away from God. Too many people say, well, if I can't do it all in, then I ain't going to do it. Well, let me tell you something. We all fall short. We all mess up. Our, all, our attitudes get in the way. Our pride gets in the way. Temptation gets in the way. And despite all of it, God still loves you and would rather have you with him than separated with him. The enemy will use those things to drive you apart. I mean, any, you know, if you don't read your Bible for a while, it gets easier not to read your Bible because we go through this process of, I'm not worthy. Or maybe we miss church for a little while, and it's the same way. You know, I, they're going to look at me funny. They're, they're going to say something. They're going to say something like, oh, well, look, well, lightning's going to strike. I want you to know that Odessa First Assembly is not like that. And I, I'll be so bold to say that there's some of you in this room right now. I just want to tell you, welcome home. There's nothing too big to be forgiven. God does not give up on you. He'll always be working on us in our life. And so John and Peter, they come to the tomb. John looks in. What does he see? Well, he sees what's described as a, a mummy-like casing that was around the body. And that's how they embalmed, of course, in the first century. But John looks in, and the Scripture says something very specific of what he does, that he sees and he believes. So John gets there, he sees and believes. So when he saw the empty tomb, it clicked. He's like, he did exactly what he said he was going to do. But when Mary came and saw, when you, when you do the, you know, the, the word study of the Greek and, and all of that, we see that simply, it, she, it's not that she didn't believe or that she disbelieved. The, the, the found or the find that you see in Scripture means that she just saw. So maybe, I mean, she was just like trying to process. She's like, okay, there's an empty tomb. Where is he? Where they put the body? She's trying to process this. And the word to describe Peter means is that he critically observed. Another gospel tells us that he, when he saw the tomb, he walks away wondering what had happened. It's Luke 24, 12. And so he sees the lending wrappings, and then he, he walked away wondering what happened. It, it's interesting how three people can see the same thing and react and see something so different. People can see the same thing and react differently. One wasn't sure, one believed, one just saw. But all of this was happening according to God's plan. And I want to remind you of something else this morning. Is that all of us in this room, we're in a different place with the Lord. We're in a different place of maturity. We're a different place of growth. And it, you know, one way, it, there's not, I mean, as long as you're growing and you're cheering with the Lord, that's, that's what counts. That's, that's what matters. And so we've all had different experiences and been at different places, and, and we all learn differently. But here's what I want to remind you of this morning, is that the Spirit of God is eternal. The Spirit of God is eternal. 
And when the spirit and someone, I, I, I prayed about this last night. I added this late last night because I really feel as a word for somebody today that what you need to know this morning is that you don't have to start over in square one because wherever wherever the deviation, wherever the, the separation happened, because God is eternal spirit, he can take you and put you right back where you were. Do you follow that? So many times we, I mean, us humanity, we have this thing that we have to earn our salvation. We've got to earn our place with God. And that if we live life that way, it nullifies what he did on the cross. Come on, church, you hear me? And so I want you to know this morning, if there has been time and you feel like there's been mistakes and will they accept me? Will God accept me? Does God want me back? Yes. Yes, he does. You see, here in a few moments, there's some of you in this house, you you're here because maybe you're, you're, you've checked a checkbox. Well, it's Easter. I need to go to church. But I want you to know that there's some of you in this room this morning that God has preordained this moment. Just like he preordained the cross in Genesis. You are not here by accident. In a few moments, I'm going to ask a question. Are you at the place in your life that you're ready to give your life to the Lord and confess him as your Lord and for him to forgive you? And you know what? You're going to respond because I believe from the moment you walked in these doors, the spirit of God has been stirring in your heart. And so we know that he was born to die. Just really quick, we talked about this Christmas. I just kind of want to touch on it. But we know that there were three gifts given, three gifts given when Jesus was at the manger. Well, one of them, he was a little bit older, and we talked about that during Christmas, but there's three gifts. One was gold, and that gold represented his kingship, that he was king. He is king. And so remember, there was, there was gifts given by the wise men. Gold was because he was king. Frankincense or incense was a representation of him being our high priest. And all of this fulfills the, the law that we read in the Old Testament about who Jesus would be, that he would be king, that he would be our high priest. But the one that I want to focus on just for this moment is in myrrh, an element was used in embalming. Can you imagine... Joseph or Mary's response when somebody brought embalming fluid. Have you ever thought about it like that? I mean, that, that's really how we can relate to it. I mean, what would you say if somebody held a baby shower for you and they brought a jar of embalming fluid? I mean, process it for a moment. But see, God had a plan from the beginning. Now, now, listen, that would not even be a funny joke, y'all. Don't, I, I know the way some of y'all are wired. You're already thinking, don't do that. So how does all of this relate to us? What does, I, I want to give you the gospel very quickly and very simply in, in three statements. What does the cross and his resurrection mean to us? The first thing is this, our sin put Jesus on the cross. You see, we read in Acts 20 about the Gentiles and, and Peter preaching that sermon. And, but the fact of the matter is that we are listed in that number. 
It's because of you and I that Jesus was put on the cross. It's because of our sin that he was put there. The scripture tells us, 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4, listen to this verse. I pass on to you what was most important and had also been passed on to me. Paul's writing this to the Corinthian church. Listen, Christ died for our sins. Verse 4, he was buried and raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scripture said. It was our sin that put him on that cross. Yes, it was the sin of the whole world, but it was also our sin here today. But when he died on the cross, he died for sin once and for all. But we cannot forget this important detail that Jesus was sent to the cross by the Father. And yes, the enemy had a hand in it. And the religious of the day had a hand in it. And the Gentiles had a hand in it. And Pontius Pilate had a hand in it. But ultimately, it was the plan of God for you and me. And if you're here today and you have not come to the place, if you have not come to the belief or understanding or know that Jesus did that for you. Listen to me. If you are here today and you've never confessed your sin, what that means is you are trying to carry all of that on your own and you are not strong enough. You are not powerful enough. No matter what society and culture tells you, but there was one who was designated to carry it all and his name is Jesus. And so we... We, we look, let's look at John chapter 20, verse 11. So Mary was standing outside the tomb crying as she wept. She stooped and looked in, and she saw two white-robed angels, one sitting at the head and the other sitting at the foot where the body of Jesus had been lying. Verse 13, dear woman, why are you crying? And the angels asked her, because they have taken away my Lord, she replied, and I don't know where they have laid. Now, th- she is so distraught. Now, I don't know about you, but if I had some angels appear to me, that, that might take a little, my forethought in that moment. It's like, I know Jesus is missing, but there's angels here. <laughs> Dear woman, why are you crying? The angels asked her, because they've taken my Lord away. She replied, and I don't know where they laid him. She turned to leave. <laughs> it's like, oh, well, see you guys later. Jesus turned to leave and saw someone standing there. It was Jesus. And notice she didn't recognize him. Dear woman, why are you crying? Jesus asked her, who are you looking for? She thought he was the gardener. Sir, she said, if you've taken him away, tell me where you've put him and I will go get him. Listen, if you're an underliner, if you're a circler in your Bible, this is a great one to to draw emphasis to. Verse 16 Mary, Jesus said. Where she didn't recognize him before by the simple mention of her name, she had heard her name mentioned from his lips before. And then she recognized. And she turned and cried out, Rabbi, which is Hebrew for teacher, verse 17, don't cling to me, Jesus said, for I've yet ascended to the Father, but go find my brothers and tell them I'm ascending to my Father. And your father to my God and your God. Do you, you catch that terminology, what Jesus is saying here? Because the price has been paid. It's been sealed by his resurrection. And in a simple way, he's telling her, 
He's just not my father, but now you can be completely reconciled with him. Now he's your father. He's not hiding behind some veil or some brazen altar. You have complete access to him like I have access. Mary Magdalene found the disciples and told him, I've seen the Lord. And she gave him this message. I mean, what an amazing account. But that part, don't cling to me. That, that one, do you ever read sometimes in Scripture and it's like, what does he, I mean, really, what did he, I mean, why did he say that? Don't, don't cling to me. Don't cling to me. You know what I think he was saying? I think he was saying, Mary, don't hold on to me the way that you used to. Don't hold on to me the way that you used to. Why? Because a new covenant has now been established. I mean, really, in that statement, he's saying, you don't have to worry about the sacrifices anymore. You don't have to worry about the veil anymore. You don't have to go through a high priest like what you used to go to. This is powerful. You see, as, you, as I was talking a little bit before, us as humans, we have this, this thing in us, it seems like, that we feel like we have to earn something. And that even comes to like, just listen, I, I believe, you know, I mean, when I grew up, and maybe some of you did, when I, when I grew up, you know, I mean, you know, we couldn't horseplay. Is that a word anymore? Do we use that word? You know, we couldn't run through the sanctuary and horseplay. Why? Because that's the house of God. And I understand that. I do. And I, I, I do understand that respect. And, 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 but I, listen, I'm far more concerned than a hole in the sheetrock than some kid running through the... I, at least we've got kids that run through the sanctuary is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> the people always be more important to me than the furniture. There is not a holy, inanimate object in this place. Matter of fact, there's not a holy, inanimate object in Christianity. Why? Because Jesus took care of it all. He took care of it all. I'm not saying come and play flag football or airsoft, but especially with the new carpet and chairs. But a new covenant has now been established. Hebrews 9, are you following me? Hebrews 9, 15. That is why he is the one who mediates a new covenant between God and people so that all who are called can receive the eternal inheritance God has promised for them. For Christ died to set them free from the penalty of of sins they had committed under that first covenant. The new covenant is the promise that God will, and probably better say that God has forgiven sin and restored our fellowship with him. That's the new covenant. That's the new covenant. And the third thing is this. We are justified before God. Our sins put him on the cross. His cross paid for a new covenant. But now because of that new covenant, we are justified before God. You know, it's one of those sermons that it's going to have to be just the right timing and, and, and the will of the Lord. But listen, I, and, and we live in a, a church culture today. They, they don't like hearing this. But I, listen, 
What the gospel tells us is what we deserve is that we deserve the wrath of God. That's what we deserve. Do you know why we deserve that? Because of sin. That's why we deserve that. I, there was a, a, before really the live dead movement kind of really went into force. Some of you are familiar with that. A lot of our missionaries are part of that movement. But I remember when Dick Brogdon was kind of really at the very beginning. And me and my brother-in-law, we were in Louisiana for um, some meetings. And we were driving back through and, and we were headed towards Dallas. And he said, hey, there's this guy preaching at Southwestern. His name is Dick Brogdon. We gotta, I've heard about this guy. Let's go, let's go hear him. I'm like, I'm, I'm cool with it. Let's go. And so we went and joined a, a chapel service at Southwestern. And you know what the title, he, he, and Chris, I had never really heard of him. And Chris was kind of telling me a few things, my brother-in-law. And we, so we get there. You know what the title of his sermon was there that morning? The title of his sermon was God hates you. But that was the foundation of it is that what we deserve is the wrath of God. That internal punishment. I know you may say, that's not my fault. Well, you know, the reality is, is that, yes, Adam brought sin into the world, but because of sin, we all fall short of God's standard. We all fall, the Bible says we all fall short of his glory. That's his measurement. That's his standard. We will never, we, no matter how pretty you think you are this morning in your peak or turquoise or blue, you will never be perfect. But because Jesus, listen, but because Jesus died on that cross and was placed in that grave, you now stand justified before God. Do you understand the power in that statement? Because it should say up there too, if you, is that graphic working? And and somewhere up there, yeah. So this is the way to understand justified, justification. Justified never sinned. That's how powerful his death was. That's how powerful his resurrection was. Come on, church. That now, not because of any effort on our own, not because we're special, not because, you know, special to humanity, but you're special to God. And that's why he put all this process into action. And so now, because of the blood of Jesus and his resurrection from the grave, you stand before a holy God that we can never measure up to a standard, measured up to a standard. And all you have to do is believe. The last thing is this, and I'll close with this. So he was, he carried our sin. I guess there was four things. We're justified before God, but listen to this. This is why we're here to celebrate. Death has been defeated. You see, the payment, the only payment that could be given for sin For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The Bible also tells us that the wages of sin is death. You see, I mean, if there was a tag team duo, it was sin and it was death. But because of his resurrection coming out of that grave, I mean, it seals every promise ever made. I mean, it confirmed, and listen to me, I really didn't want to go this way this morning, but I just want to just make this declaration. Listen, there's all kinds of people that have all kinds of theories about the death and resurrection of Jesus. But listen to me, if we use the historical standard of history 
then the account we find in Scripture has to be true. Listen, we can't have a standard for historical books and a standard for the Bible when it comes to its reliability because the evidence of Scripture, it is far more reliable than any history book that we have. I know some of you have a hard, difficult time with that statement. I, I showed the kids and Angela yesterday about, anybody seen the Babylon Bee skit on, about the disciples making this plan to steal Jesus' body? Have anybody said, you got to, okay, I'm going to post it. You're, it's, it's hilarious. Because the disciples, they, they get together by a campfire, and they do it in Babylon, which is just hilarious, Babylon, anyway. They need to give me some money right now since I'm promoting them. But, and so, but they're like, we got a plan. We got a plan. What we're going to do is we're going to steal his body, and then we're all going to die for it. I mean, think about that for a moment. I mean, Really? I mean, that doesn't sound like such a great plan, does it? But they were all willing to lay their life down for a lie? I don't think so. So let me get back on track. Death was defeated, 1 Corinthians 15, 55. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? For sin is the sting that results in death. And the law gives sin its power. But thank God, he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. The wages of sin are death, but the gift of God is is eternal life. And I, I go back to Acts chapter 2 and verse 24. I, I just, you know, you read through Scripture so many times, and, and it's just amazing to me. You can read the same sentence, the same thing, over and over and over for a lifetime. And then for some reason, just what leapt out at me is death could not hold its grip on him. Death could not, death tried. And I, I don't think like it was, like, it wasn't like if, uh, um, is Chase up here? Chase, come here real quick. I'll use you. Me and Chase, we wrestle and, and play around a lot. And I told him he's on a man until he beats up his dad and hadn't happened yet. So no, I'm, I'm joking. So grab a hold of me, Chase. Just anyway, anyway, you can grab a hold of me. Anyway, yeah, yeah. And so it wasn't a wrestling match of like me trying to escape and, you know, escape and get away from death. And there was no fight there. There was no way death could ever have its grip on Jesus. There, there, there's no scenario combination that anyone could ever come up with that would have kept Jesus in the grave. And the promise to us is this, but the same spirit that rose Jesus from the grave is at work within you. And so if that spirit's at work within you, you know what can't hold on to you? Sin and death. There is no more sting. There is no more bondage. It's been broken. 
And whether you see, now listen, the corruptible must put on the incorruptible. There's going to come a moment in time in history that whether we go by the grave or by the rapture, we are all going to be transformed, Scripture tells us. We're all going to be changed. And the very reason why Mary at first didn't recognize Jesus because he was in his resurrected body, we're all going to be, have resurrection bodies. Come on. And mine's going to be six, five, and 200 pounds. Would you stand with me this morning? Thanks for tuning in to the Odessa First Assembly podcast. If you've enjoyed today's message, be sure to subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform so you never miss an episode. You can also follow us on social media for updates and inspirational content throughout the week. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube at Odessa First AG. And if you're in the area, we'd love to have you join us in person for our Sunday morning services at 1030 a.m. You can also catch our live stream on Facebook, YouTube, and Church Online. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time on the Odessa First Assembly Podcast.